0: So if I'm gonna go it all. Go bigger go. Go bigger go ho bigger go Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by our friends over at Celsius. I am John Ledyard, and I forgot to change my name again, so if you're watching this live. It shows up as my name is Peter Report Podcast. It's taking it over the podcast, Report. John. It's all you.
1: I'm,
0: I'm just trying to, apparently I'm trying to rename myself after the yeah. podcast. That's how dedicated I am to That's the right. show. Scott Reynolds, obviously, along with me here at Peter Report on Twitter. Scott, we have uh, some fun stuff to talk about today because we are going to dive into this Buck seven round mock draft that did go up a while ago. But we are going to talk about yeah. some of the thought process behind some of those picks. Um, That we you and I always kind of talk about ahead of time and then uh, we'll talk about my mock draft as well um, and kind of how our thought process has happened with both of those mocks and then compare some of the top running backs in the class as well. So it's gonna be fun stuff on today's show.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's odd that we really first start talking about the draft in February, John, usually (laughs) around these parts around Tampa Bay. Sometimes it's even like mid-October, usually November always December, certainly into January, right? I mean, usually Mm -hmm. this Buccaneer season ends right around January 1st, and we're shuffling off to the East-West Shrine Bowl in St. Petersburg, then heading off to Mobile and um, and checking out the Senior Bowl. And we didn't do either one of those things this year. The the East-West Shrine Bowl canceled because of COVID. Uh, You and I were busy, my friend. We really couldn't make it out of Tampa uh, to no. go to the, the Senior Bowl this year because of the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. So that was a welcome change. So uh, it's better late than never. We're going to be diving into some draft uh, talk. We've got the the seven-round Bucks mock draft that went up a week ago today, and your mock went up yesterday. So if you're a fan of the draft, then why wouldn't you be? Jason Light has built this team through the draft and a couple of cool free agents sprinkled in, along with a couple of trades. But primarily the draft, John. So it's very important, Buccaneer fans. You got the 32nd overall pick rather than the top five pick or the top 10 pick. So that's cool. But we're going to talk about that and more right after our good friends at Celsius let you know all about their cool drink. John, Celsius heat, love it. Got my yep. orange.
0: Got my orange with me. Today.
1: Yeah, I had a grape yesterday. Had a grape yesterday. The Celsius heat, it's it's bigger, right? It's it's noticeably yeah. bigger. It's it's uh, it's it's what you need for your your workouts uh, mm-hmm. when when you're looking to fuel your workout with the energy or to recover and replenish. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Now. We've had a lot of uh, people uh, DM us, email us, well, how can you get Celsius? There's two ways. The best way, in my opinion, is to go to pewterreport.com, click on those Celsius banners. They're going to take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk and save a lot of money. Or if you're looking to just pick up a can in and around where you live, do so by going to Celsius.com, click on the store locator. They'll pull up every location right by your zip code, which is a really cool way to find Celsius locally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and they're good stuff, man. I mean, I'm telling you, if you haven't tried them, I still – it's crazy. I still get a couple DMs a week from fans trying them for the first time or they just tried a new flavor, and I love getting those DMs. So if you're out there and you are trying Celsius and checking Celsius out, definitely send us – and people have been tweeting at us too and and different brands and kinds that they've tried, uh, flavors that they've tried. So it's been fun. uh, We're big fans of Celsius for sure. Big fans of you all as well. Uh, We uh, have a couple good comments here. Uh, Share My Year said – Listen to a couple pods when running today. The Celsius track is banging to run to. I absolutely agree with that. I don't listen to it when I'm running, but it's still, it's right. just a great, I just love it. It gets me hyped. Uh, and the same person says, evening from the UK, these 4 p.m. starts means that I'm awake when you go live. That is pretty awesome. I know the 4 p.m. starts have been prefer for some people everybody's schedule is kind of on a little bit of a different page here devin says john i want to apologize for being in your twitter mentions so frequently you do a great job i appreciate that devin it is crazy this time of year because it because from not all but just bucks fans, but a lot of bucks fans most of the year yeah. to now it goes to every fan base so it does get tougher for me to answer everybody but you all know i i definitely try to interact with as much as i can so definitely appreciate the questions and the comments devin keep them coming uh we love that kind of stuff over at Peter report so scott we've got some mock drafts to, that we want to talk about uh seven we'll start with the bucks seven rounder you've made some pretty sweet graphics for us and uh just another example of the Peter report podcast taking the things to the next level a little bit you know yeah. no big deal but uh your seven round mock draft that i also collaborated with you on yep. had north carolina running back javante williams at the top around one and At first, when you mentioned this to me, you said, what about Javante Williams at 32? And I said, Scott, I don't know if they're going to take Javante Williams that high, nor do I know if he'll go that high. And and you were adamant. This guy is awesome. Talk a little bit about why you love him so much.
1: Well, let's rewind a little bit and and set the stage for why the Buccaneers might draft a running back in the first round. Because I think that's been kind of the biggest beef. I saw some comments about Mm -hmm. Najee Harris even in yours. Yes. That a little bit later in the show. Um, Here's why. Rule number one, you don't pay running backs. You just don't. Okay, Uh, Leonard Fournette, in my opinion, would I like to see playoff Lenny back in Tampa? I wouldn't mind it. Um, But I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Buccaneers. I think he wants a bigger role. Remember, this guy was benched late in the season, and um, and he wasn't really happy about it. Bruce Arians even came out in an article uh, interview by Rick Stroud and, and said that that hey, if you don't like it, we can cut you, you know. So you better deal with it. And then playoff Lenny emerged. But I think that he doesn't want to share time in the Bucks backfield with Ronald Jones, who, by the way, is going to be in a contract year next year. Okay. So why is that important? Well, Fournette wants to be the man and, and wants to have an opportunity, and I don't blame him. The Buccaneers, whether it was Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones the year before or this year with Ronald Jones and learned Fournette they're a two-back system. Okay, that's just the way they are. They need two running backs to split the load. As much as Ronald Jones uh, was fawned over by Bruce Arians, um, he likes Ronald Jones. I don't think that he loves Ronald Jones, and we saw that when when he had the opportunity to to start Rojo in the Super Bowl. Sure,
0: clearly they think he's his limitations
1: in the passing game or something that no doubt about their offense. Yeah, yeah. So, so looking at that, he Fournette's going to be gone, in my opinion. Uh, Sean McCoy, we both agree is going to be gone, right? I mean, he's okay. So, so now out of your four running backs, you're down to two, you're down to Ronald Jones, who's in a contract year. And like you said, John, the bucks aren't clearly sold on his pass catching ability. And it
0: can't be sold on Keyshawn Vaughn either. I mean, no matter what you thought of him coming out last year was bad enough or concerning enough, not only with the lack of playing time, but also the drops and the fumbles that you can't bet on him to be the other guy. It can't just be those two.
1: Exactly. And let's not forget, Keyshawn Baum was a mid-third-round pick, and Ronald Jones was an early second-round pick. So there is some talent discrepancy there just Mm -hmm. in in where they were drafted. Now, let's look at Rojo, okay? Go back to when when Doug Martin was given that big contract by Jason Light, okay? Jason Light is like an elephant. He's got a memory. And – the conventional wisdom around the league is you draft running backs, you don't sign them to multi-year deals, right? And, and you you can look at uh, a couple of guys, right? Todd Gurley out with the the Rams. Um, you can look at at Christian McCaffrey, you know, who just signed that big mega extension, played about three games this past year. Saquon Barkley has barely rushed for over a thousand yards in the last two seasons. Got hurt early on this year. So it's a position that that you draft. And I've been a big proponent of the Seattle Seahawks. always have a pretty good ground game. And they draft running backs over and over and over again. And that's why they're not going to pay Chris Car- uh, Carson. They're going to let him walk in free agency, which is what yeah. you should do. And that's why the Jacksonville Jaguars let Fournette go. Mm-hmm. That's why he was available on right. the team. So I'm not opposed to signing – a free agent running back. We, we've all heard the name James White. Rex Burkhead's also available. Deion Lewis. There might be another Leonard Fournette caliber player that's that's young and and wants a one-year prove-it deal that the Bucs may end up signing as well. But the thing is, is is at the number 32 pick, and, and John, we had Jason Light on the podcast uh, a week ago right after mm-hmm. the Bucks won the Super Bowl, and he said, yeah, there might be a player we like at 32 or we might end up deciding to um you know to to trade out of 32 yeah. but the interesting thing about 32 and why this is important is if you're gonna draft a running back and not sign one to pair with Rojo for a year and then to take yeah. over when Rojo's gone you have the fifth year option and I think that's right. exactly why Kansas City drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire number 32 mm-hmm. overall because there's value with that fifth year option as a running back if you draft a, a young running back who's like uh, like Javante Williams, who is going to be twenty one on draft day, then you have him for five years, and at twenty six, mm-hmm. you let him go, and you've right. already drafted his replacement in the coming years. So, right. from a positional need standpoint, um, you want your first round pick to see the, the field. Yes. We're under the the belief that Shaq Barrett will be re signed, that Indominus II yes. will be re signed, and and if that's Javante David, yeah, yeah, Chris Godwin, exactly, Rob so Gronkowski. Where is that first-round pick going to see the field the most? Where are you going to get the most value in your defending the Super Bowl season? That's mm-hmm. at running back. So that's why it makes sense. It's not to say that this team will draft a running back. They could draft a defensive tackle. They could draft an offensive lineman. They could draft an edge rusher. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault the Bucs for doing any of those things. Mm-hmm. It's just when John and I are looking at this, and you're picking at 32, and you might say, well, well running back, that's not really first-round value. Folks, we're talking about the 32nd pick here. It practically yeah. is a second-round pick, okay? Right. And, and, and the last thing about Williams that I'll just say, and we'll move on, is I, I, I got a feeling that Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are going to be gone. There's three teams that really need premier running backs, and that's the Miami Dolphins, that's the New York Jets, and that's the Buffalo Bills. They're all three, and,
0: and the Pittsburgh Steelers,
1: and the Pittsburgh and twenty-four. Steelers. Yeah. yeah, they want to get back to running the ball. So uh, Harris and ATN are, are enticing, exciting players. And and I, I I've studied Javante Williams a lot. Watched a lot of North Carolina football. I think that this guy is is I think Najee Harris is, is my favorite. You've probably seen my comments about Twitter. This is Najee Harris, and this is Javante Williams, in my opinion. And I think both of those guys are going to be really good. I like Williams' tackle-breaking yeah. ability. He's got the speed-power combination, catch the ball pretty well, too.
0: At the end of the day, and here, I'll go back and talk more about those guys and what you're saying, too, but at the end of the day, if you're 32 and Najee Harris and Javante Williams are both on the board and you think you can trade back to 40 you know, and, and gra- yeah, grab a couple cool. other picks, Absolutely. and Najee Harris will probably be gone, but Javante Williams will probably be there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, again, like we are talking about a position where the drop off from from one guy to another is typically not that great. The Bucs did have one of the worst running back rooms in the league, I thought, throughout the regular season. Somebody commented on the drops, you know, 17 drops. That's pro football focus number. That's a ton of drops. That's the most drops. Pro football focus is charted by a running back room. Uh, I think it's the second – or no, I think it's the most. Yeah, it was the most in yeah. the last five years. The 49ers, like three years ago, had like 16, I think. But the Bucks passed them up. And that's just in the regular season. There were more in the playoffs, obviously. But it's not just the drops. Pro Football Focus is being kind there in some ways. Yeah. There's also the inability for a lot of the season to create after the catch at a high-level anyway. I think Fournette did make progress in that area. But neither of those guys were standouts throughout the season in that area. Yeah. There's also a lot of plays that won't go down as drops, that they don't run these little easy routes to the right depth. They don't adjust to the ball correctly. They're unexpecting. They're not expecting the ball. That's a big issue for Ronald Jones. As coaches have talked about this, we're going into year four. You cannot expect those things to change or get better, and you cannot Mm -hmm. expect Keyshawn Bond to fix the problem after the way he looked last year. So you have to be able to address the position. I with like you, Scott. We don't think they have to do it at thirty-two. I know some Bucks fans love them doing it at thirty-two. Some Bucks fans hate them doing it at 32 yeah. it really depends who else is on the board in my opinion and that's why not just to totally switch gears off the seven round but I do want to go to to my mock a little bit and look at uh some of the some of the um things that I did with this mock I took uh, Alabama running back Najee Harris at 32 for the bucks you know and I know we're both going running back right out of the gate with these mocks but some of my reasoning here was that in this mock draft a lot of the top edge rushers in the class were gone yeah, and I know you have him taking a guy who, in Quincy Roche, uh, who is the uh, in the second round, who could be there for the Bucs. There's another guy, James Jalen Phillips, who is the other Miami edge rusher, who is, yeah. is a lot better and more talented than Roche in my opinion. But there's significant off the field and injury concerns. He actually, retired. Oh, yeah. He was from at from UCLA. He C- retired from concussions, three concussions. And uh, then came back and played this past season Miami. He basically is one season of college production. Right. It was a great season. He looks like uh, Daniel Jeremiah and I were just talking actually on Twitter, and he was saying, you know, I think he's the, he said I think he's the best, you know, the most talented edge rusher in this class, and I agreed right. with him. You know, based on the guys I've seen, and I've seen a little bit of Phillips during the season. The guy yep. is different. Um, so there's options, you know, if you look at it that way with edge rusher. but again, a lot of these guys are either raw or have significant concerns off the field or character concerns or injury concerns. There's just no sure bet. And so it's tough to say this is the guy for the Bucks because they aren't really trying. They're trying not to take those risks lately in the draft with character right. and with injury concerns. They don't want another Justin Evans, you know, Kendall with situation. Yeah. Not that those guys had concerns coming out, but you don't want to lose guys. You spend a pick and lose a guy you know, his contract and his career because of an injury, it's just not a good investment. So there are those ancillary things to consider when you're looking thinking about other positions at yeah. 32.
1: And the other thing too, is that let's keep in mind again, this is as late as the Buccaneers have ever picked. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. And the, the latest Jason lights picked is, is 19th, which was for OJ Howard back in 2017. Mm-hmm. So this is a l- little bit of, of uncharted territory here for, for him as a general manager. And, and, again, you got to remember, you're talking about the 32nd pick. It's the last pick in the first round. The next pick is the first pick in the second round. The next time you're on the clock, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, unless there's a trade, is you have the final pick in the second round. That's almost like yeah. a third-round pick. Right. So if, if you look at, at where um, Ronald Jones was drafted high in the second round, you can see that Jason Light has some value – for the running back position. He paid mm-hmm. Doug Martin a King's ransom. Shouldn't have done it. That's one of his his biggest <laughs> regrets. Then he drafted Rojo in the second round. And, John, yep. what did we learn from Bruce Arians that that uh, who else was in the consideration for the second-round pick last year? Not just Antonio,
0: Antonio Gibson, yeah. Antonio. And we know they love Clyde Edwards-Alaire yeah. as well if he would have been there.
1: Yeah, yeah, running back from from Memphis, And and, and you're right. They they love Clyde Edwards solar and
0: that was in a year where they had a lot more needs than they do this year. You know, I know right. they're always about best player available, but needs do matter. You want best yes. player available at a position of need, and needs yep. matter. And they don't have a lot in this year's draft. And we know running back was clearly a priority all last off season. And if they get to the draft, and Fournette isn't here, and Lashawn McCoy isn't here, and Rojo is going into right. contract year. We're going to know that running back is not a position they feel like they've adequately filled, even if they sign a James White or Rex Burkhead to a quick two-year deal or something like that. Those guys aren't the running back of the future. Neither is Rojo, and so they need to find that guy.
1: They they really do, and and again, you saw how important the ground game is to Bruce Arians. Yes, he's the quarterback whisperer. Yes, he's got Tom Brady and all these weapons, and they are a pass-first offense. But folks, I mean, 145 yards – you know, in, in, in the, the Super Bowl, Right. And that's yeah. exclusively what they did in the second half. They they ran to win. They had the lead. And, and Bruce Arians is old school. He, once you have the lead, you run to win. And, and that's, that's why it's important.
0: Yeah, no. And I think this too, Scott, the Bucks run scheme is not complex. It's not uh, right. the 49ers where you can plug any dude in and he's going to run for, you know, a thousand Raheem Mostert coming out of nowhere. I mean, right. he had, you had Matt Breda, you had Tevin Coleman, you had all these dudes, Jarek McKinnon, they're all productive in that offense. Yeah. That is not the Bucks' run scheme. Uh, they really yeah. need somebody who can create, especially after contact. You are going to get contact yes. in the Bucks' scheme usually. It's a lot of duo. It's a lot of inside runs. There are hands right. on you. There are arms on you. Who can break tackles? Who can hit the holes decisively? Who can create after contact, even if it means falling forward? To right. be honest, that's a big reason why Ronald Jones still got looks later in the year, because that's he right. was better as a pure inside runner than Fournette. He's a more physical, cool. aggressive, explosive runner. And so that's yep. really why they didn't switch fully to making Fournette a feature back in the playoffs is because of that. And so that's why it does matter. Now, again, I, I know I'm going to sound like a running back truther and people are going to clip parts <laughs> of this podcast and come back at me and I get it. But here's the thing, Scott. It does matter that the Bucks have a talented running back. I don't think they have to have Derek Henry or right. one of the better running backs in the league to be successful, but... I do think there has to be an improvement there. If they're not going to change the scheme, and they probably aren't going to change it dramatically, although I sure hope we get more polling linemen next season based on the success Mm -hmm. when they did it. But that's a story for another time. But I do think if they aren't going to do that, you need a running back who's going to create after contact because this is a scheme in which you're going to get contact, and that matters. And that's why I really like Najee Harris Scott. And Javante Williams is great at that too. But here's the thing with Najee Harris Scott. If we can jump into a little bit of player eval here, Najee Harris is an unbelievable receiver and a vicious inside runner that's just not a combination you get all the time and that's why I think he's ahead of where of where uh, Derek Henry was when Henry was coming out of college because Henry you know remember it took him a couple years in the NFL even as a running back he still hasn't developed as a receiver really it's not really what he does. Harris is running routes, he's lined up in the slot. He's on up outside. He's running verticals from the backfield. He's adjusting and making contested catches. He's making plays. He broke 20 tackles on 43 catches this past season for pro yeah, football. Focus. He's
1: an absolute stud. And, I and mean, it, he's a beast, yeah, dude. Yeah. The, the reason why I have Javante Williams in there is because I, I simply don't think that Najee Harris makes it to 32. I hope he does. I hope he's the pick. I'd yeah. be fine with that. But the thing with, with Williams is – he was pro football focus's highest graded running back ever in terms of their grade, like a 94.5 or something. And he actually had 15 more broken tackles than Najee Harris, who is a tackle-breaking machine. Yeah. So I don't think the Buccaneers could lose with either one of those guys. Now, I, listen, I'm a defensive guy, John. You know that. And, and okay, let's go defense, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, second round, Miami outside linebacker Quincy Roche. The interesting thing about Roche is, is he played one season at Miami. He's really a temple guy. I think that's going to have a lot of appeal when you look at Bruce Arians, right? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, he, he drafted uh, Chappelle Russell cuz he's a temple guy. Don't yep. think that kind of stuff matters, folks. It does. Uh, sometimes there's not a whole bunch of logic in the in the in the war room. Uh, you it,
0: know, you know uh, those, uh, those unconscious biases, man. Yes. Like, so they get in your head, right? Like you right. have a temple connection. You like the guy a little bit. You like another guy too, but the temple thing might put him over the top. It's that's kind of well, how it works. Sometimes. If you
1: remember last year, Jason Light and Bruce Arians made a pact with each other that on day three, they're going to draft the Nebraska guy for Jason Light and his father, who was a, a big Husker fan as well as Bruce Arians and all of his Temple connections. And that's why they drafted Kilo Davis in the sixth round, and they drafted uh, Chappelle rem- in the seventh. That,
0: round. that reminds me of a, of a story with Mike Zimmer. He was on the NFL Network broadcast uh, talking to Mike Mayock in, like I want to say, the fourth round maybe of day three uh, of the draft. And Mike Zimmer and Moritz Boehringer, who was a wide receiver from Germany, I think if you remember, yes. had a, some type of connection, or he went to his workout or something. Right, And Mayock was like, I think it'd be awesome if you drafted this kid. And Zimmer was like, well, we'll see what we can do. And then like in the sixth round, they just like draft him. I'm like, what in the world? Like yeah. you literally just did a TV spot and then like just, yeah. just decided to use the pick on the guy. They really yeah. do throw some crazy stuff out there on day yeah. three that, that but you the know, process it, is less intense than you'd think.
1: You're, you're right. Drafting Quincy Roche is is not a crazy idea, right? He, he really reminds me a lot of Shaq Barrett when I turned the tape on. Um, he doesn't overwhelm you with size. He's 6'3", 243. Uh, keep in mind, Shaq Barrett, uh, folks, I mean, he's under 6'2". Shaq Barrett is literally 6'1", yeah. 250 pounds. Okay? That's as big as Shaq is. So it's 6'3", 243 with, with the younger body and frame, I think, that, that Quincy Roche in an NFL weight program gets to 250. I, he reminds Man, me
0: good luck trying to figure out the Bucks prototype at Edge, right? Scott, I mean I, I, <laughs> Anthony Nelson, Shaq yeah. Barrett in the same offseason. Yeah, and, and of you got
1: and you got JPP uh, you know JPP out there who's six five and he's like Gumby. He's a freakish guy at 270 pounds.
0: <laughs> Seven fingers, just yeah, trying to you know, find guys with <laughs> missing the,
1: digits. Here's what I like about about Rocher is is he was asked to do something different at Miami, play a little bit more. Almost like Shaq Barrett did, where where he kind of sacrificed some numbers because he was lined up um, a pretty good amount on the left side, going up against tight ends and tackles. Most teams kind of right handed in the run game. And the the tackle production was still good. He had 45 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss. That's a strong number. Only Mm -hmm. four and a half sacks, but he's an impactful player. Three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and a pass breakup. John back at Temple in 2019, he was the, the AAC defensive player of the year. He had 49 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, 13 sacks, five pass breakups, two fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble. So, this guy in his career, three, four, five, six, seven, eight forced fumbles in his career and mm-hmm. a handful of recoveries, and he gets to the quarterback. Um, he's right. got, it'd be interesting to see what he times. And I, I think because of the, the lack of size and the lack of, of probably 40 time, I don't, be, I don't expect it mm-hmm. to be great. I think he would be there at the end of the yeah. second round, which is that borderline third round pick.
0: Right. Yeah. I have some thoughts on him. I do want to recognize architect out here dropping a $100 super chat. Wow. How about that? And he Fantastic. follows it up with a great comment. Appreciate this. He says, thank you guys for the sacrifice and consistency. So grateful for your dedication to us fans. Believe me, we wouldn't have it any other way. We we, uh, we love guys. we love doing this kind of stuff. It's awesome, and definitely appreciate that super chat. That is hugely helpful. And uh, if you guys are tuning in, by the way, for the first time, you can uh, follow the Pewter Report podcast on Peter by searching Pewter Report TV on YouTube and subscribing to the podcast for free, and uh, and hitting that bell for when we get the notifications if you want, so you don't miss any time that we go live. I know some of you watch us on Twitter and uh, Facebook. I think you can get notifications on there for when we go live as well so you make sure you never miss a show. But we are 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in the offseason, so it is going to be a fun time. Long Lost Glazer says Quincy Roche would be a good insurance for in case of Shaq or JPP getting injured. Speaking of insurance, my friends, at Briar (laughs) Greaves.
1: (laughs) Well, there's no Briar Greaves read today, but I'm sure Briar appreciates Long Lost Glazer. We have you guys trained. This is awesome. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Very <laughs> That's cool. pretty
0: funny. So let me just say this about Quincy Roche, Scott. I'm not like totally out on Quincy Roche, and I still have to watch a few more games of him um, for sure. But he is an interesting player to me because typically if you are a smaller edge, you really need to be athletic to, to be a productive player in the NFL. I think he's an okay athlete. I don't know if he's a great athlete, um, yeah. so it's it gives me a little
1: – him. Right.
0: Testing will be important for him. Whatever testing looks like this year, I don't even know uh, how accurate it will all be, but um, it will be important for him. You're absolutely right about that because weight adjusted numbers really determine a lot for edge rushers. You know, if you look at any type of analysis over the years that's been done, it really matters, you know, especially three cone and 10 yard split and jumps. You know, that'll be areas where he needs to kind of move the needle a little bit. I'm not totally sold on him. Again, like you said, the production wasn't great this year. I I think Jalen Phillips was a much better player on the other side. But as I mentioned a little bit earlier, there are concerns off the fields from a stadium, at UCLA, especially. Yes. And and I don't like getting in a ton of details about stuff that are just other sure. than to say that I know fans always want details. I never know. I think the source is legit. Otherwise I wouldn't say anything that the right. source that, that I've heard from on it. I know he's legit, uh, but I don't, you know, again, things could have changed for Jalen Phillips since then, So I want to leave the door open for him to be able to grow and change uh, too. So hopefully that's happened. And he's a super talented player. I would even say he might be a top 10 talent in the class. Oh, yeah. At some point, somebody's going to want to swing at him. And I wonder if – I don't know if it happens in the second round. I don't know if it happens yeah. in day three. I don't know what's going to happen. An but. interesting
1: guy, too, that we have been studying is, is Washington's Joe Tryon. He didn't play last year, but but he's a really interesting edge guy, 6'5". He's got, he's got longer arms, bigger size, uh, really good motor. I don't think he's – he is a skilled or has the rush plan that Quincy Rochet. He's, does he's the, like
0: a power forward guy. Yeah, he kind of the, long arms people.
1: Yeah, and he's he's very twitchy and he's he's a, a he's a, a you know a big motor guy. We'll see. He might appear in the next mock, but I just like the the fact that that Roche is tough against the run. Uh, he can get to the quarterback. He gets the ball out too. He's got great pass rushing awareness. He rushes with the plan. And he's a tough-nosed kid from Baltimore who went to Temple. So mm. there's a lot to like there that are in the Buccaneers, you know, scheme. Uh, let's go back to uh, the mock. Wisconsin Whitewater. Oh, now we're talking. Miners. Now the interesting thing is, is as I've not watched anything but a highlight tape and some Senior Bowl highlights because Quinn Miners didn't even play last year because <laughs> Division Three football was not existing because of COVID. Right. But this
0: guy. Talk about a tough eval, Scott. I mean,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, Guy has no
0: tape from this past season. He's a D3 player. Yeah. I mean, we saw the Senior Bowl, though. There was no question, man. He absolutely destroyed people.
1: He's got four things that Jason Light likes in offensive linemen. Number one, he went to the Senior Bowl. Okay. Because you look at at Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa, all those guys are Senior Mm -hmm. Bowl guys. Number two, he's a small school guy, right? Uh, Ryan, and he has the
0: small Jensen. school mentality,
1: right? Yes, so, yeah, yeah. The, the, that ever-present chip, and it's a big one mm-hmm. on his shoulder. Um, you look at Alex Kappa from Humboldt State. You look at At Ali Marpet from Hobart College. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, Ryan Jensen, who went to uh, what Colorado Pueblo? Pueblo, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, CSU uh, Pueblo.
1: Yeah, so so there's you know th- there's some traits there. Number three, Stanny too.
0: Where'd Stanny go? Stanny was like. Uh, Somewhere uh, all right right? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, he might have been one of the
0: correctional Tennessee or something like that. Huh?
1: Yes, I, I, I think you're right there. Number three, he's just tough as nails. This this is a tough guy. Okay, he's he he's a barroom brawler. You put on his his tape, and it's it's in the Peter report, uh, seven round mock. So if you want to see a highlight videos in these guys, you can follow along and do that. But the toughness is there. This guy's a barroom brawler. He's he's a he's the doorman at the bar. He'll throw you out of the bar. And number four is oh, yeah. got long, right? I mean, Alex Kappa, Ryan Jensen, <laughs> Ali I'm telling you, it's a trait, John. It is
0: true. He likes O-line with a little bit of character and a little bit of flair. Yes. And, like, that is what these guys have. And, by the way, Miner is one of his heroes and one of the guys he really studies, and we've yeah. seen this from his Twitter even, is Ryan Jensen. He loves his yeah. mentality and his playing style. So I know the small school thing will have everybody putting Miners to the box but I really think there's a decent chance it happens, Scott. Not just because he's a small school guy, but because he also is. I know everybody tried to put Ben Barch with the Bucks, and maybe Ben Barch is is, a, is is you know a tough guy and all that. But I don't know. But I know Miners is, uh, and I know actually uh, one of the guys that coached Miners in college uh, is one of is one of my good friends, Owen Reese on Twitter. Uh, he and I go way back, and he is just raves about Miners. Just an awesome kid to coach. All the teammates love him, sets the tone, but doesn't take himself too seriously. Great locker room guy. He yep. just can't say enough good things about him. And yeah, so, it's
1: not yeah. about drafting for this year. you got to remember, right, Ryan Jensen is going to be 30 years old in mm-hmm. June. I'm a big Ryan Jensen fan. I think he's played exceptional football yep. the last two years. Each year in Tampa is better than than the last. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be 30 this year. He's making $10 million. This is the final year of his contract. And I I think that the Buccaneers would like to have a plan there, a succession plan.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you have to think about this too. Miners play guard and center. He's that versatility. Practice played at both spots and played at the senior bowl. spots looked really good. Seemed he could play either. So really good sign for them because, again, even if it's just this year, you need depth at both those spots. So draft them this year and then you evaluate where things are at with Jensen. And obviously Kappa will be in a contract year, so Kappa could be, A guy that I mean probably he and guys like Ian Whitehead are guys that probably move on after after this next season and you can't re sign everybody. And so you gotta be able to fill in those spots again. And uh, yeah, I love that pick. I I love it. I hope he's there in the third round. I think it's perfect if it happens.
1: And and the thing too, John, is as I've I've had both Mike Greenberg and Jason Light say this to me in in years past. You know, it's tough to have when you're trying to to fit the salary cap puzzle together, it's tough to have three linemen making over ten million dollars on the same Mm -hmm. line. And that's oh, what yeah. you have with Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet and and Ryan Jensen. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we, we've heard some complaints now. It's a little offensive draft. What am I thinking? I'm a defensive-minded guy. Okay, fine, here's your defense. Kyrus Tonga, BYU. By the way,
0: before you break down Tonga, can I just jump in and say, if anybody's wondering why round four is the first time a defensive tackle is being mentioned, this won't be the case in all our mocks. Right. But this is a tough defensive tackle class. I mean, it's, I've seen a couple yeah. draft evaluators that are deeper into it than we are and they've said it's like
1: that's like the weakest position in the whole yeah. class. So, there's, tough there's one. There's literally uh, like a handful of guys. I wouldn't be surprised, John, if if when push comes to shove that that the Bucks draft board might have literally a handful of draftable defensive tackles, you know. And and the thing is is, you know, the, the draft is over 200 players deep. The, mm-hmm. the Buccaneers and most teams, they will only have um you know, less than a hundred players with. Oh yeah. Grades.
0: Belichick would have like 30, 40 yeah. guys yeah. in the whole draft. In the that entire would draft. You yeah.
1: have draftable grades that, that fit, that fit the Patriot way. In this case, fit the Buccaneer way. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that haven't been crossed out due to character concerns, injuries. I mean, th- there, there's players that, that people, the mainstream guys, the, the, the McShays, the, you know, the, um, I almost said Mayock, the J- Daniel Jeremiah's of the world, these, these draft, uh, people that you see on the networks mm-hmm. um they'll have these guys like like in, in their you know day 2 day 3 lists but there'll be NFL teams that will literally have them with non-draftable grades right. even guys that that will have mocked in, in in the middle rounds it's because of medicals and the medical information's really hard to get a hold of right because that's that's where the the confidentiality mm-hmm. comes into play but they oh, yeah, for sure thing about Tonga, uh, John, and the reason why we kind of penciled him in there is you know, you look at, at, at Jason Light's defensive tackles that he's drafted, and it's kind of interesting, right, because we looked at this. Vita Veya is a monster. It's the highest he's ever drafted defensive lineman, uh, just outside the top 10. 350 pounds on draft days, probably around 340 right now. The other defensive tackle he drafted was Stevie Tuikulabatu uh, several years ago in the seventh round, and he was a 330-pound guy. Kind of a short, squatty nose tackle type mm-hmm. from from USC. Stevie Tuokalovato didn't make the team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Vieta is a big contributor. The other defensive tackles he drafted Terry Beckner Jr., who was under 300 pounds, and Kilo Davis last year, who was right around 300 pounds. So he's drafted some really big, beefy nose tackle types and some more of that kind of classic 300 pound, you know, three technique guys. But we went ahead yeah. and put in Tonga because you know I don't think Steve McClendon comes back does Nacho come back Raheem nunez Rochez on a one-year deal he's getting mm-hmm. to be a little pricey the, the longer he plays even at the veteran minimum he's still pricey and without Vita Vea in there we saw what happened with the lack of pass rush Tonga is not the kind of pass rusher that Vea is in terms of, of being a sack producer mm-hmm. he had three and a half sacks last year and then before that, he had five sacks over the, his first three years. But he will push the pocket. He will get some tackles for loss. He's, he's kind of a poor man's Vita Vea, And I think that, that that's pretty decent value in the fourth round. And it gives the Bucks that bigger type of body in the middle that they don't have right now. It's, it's, pr- it's pretty much Vita Vea and nobody else right. all of that size.
0: Yeah and that's the range in the draft you want to do it in. I see Long Lost Glazer saying what about Tyler Shelvin as a backup nose tackle at pick 64? Um you know I don't think Tyler Shelvin's a bad player or anything. I think he's a good player, but you you don't want to take a backup nose tackle at pick 64. You want to get a little more value out of that. You know we talked Yesterday, by the way, if you're not on, on Locker Room, we have some good shows on, on, on Locker Room. We talked on there uh, on the app yesterday um, that about uh, the defense, the nose tackle position a little bit and what the Bucs could do. And a guy that's intriguing in free agency, I'll just throw a name out there, is Mike Pennell. Uh, the Chiefs, actually, he was with the Chiefs mm-hmm. last year. Just plays a lot of rundowns. He's a good backup nose tackle. He's old, he's older now. I think he's on the other side of 30, but he's been a good run stuffer his whole career. Nothing in the past game, but right. he's probably going to be dirt cheap. And he's probably going to be looking to win a ring. That's why he's on the Chiefs, uh, and he fits. Uh, he's a good run stuffer, a good guy to play and have. Joe, you know, similar to what they asked McClendon yeah. to do this year, um, you know, for cheap. I think that he's a guy uh, that they could definitely get. But I mentioned those conversations on locker room, and wanted to make sure you're aware of what locker room is. Locker room is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. Locker Room is the app. We have a lot of fun on there. In fact, we had a listener just jump into his first one. Anthony Papp, faithful listener of the podcast, just jumped into his first Locker Room chat yesterday. We had a good group discussion going. Lots of people sounding off. Uh, Ren's always in there. I hope that doesn't scare people away. Ren is always in there. I hate to to discourage people from downloading the app, but yeah, definitely get the, 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 uh, the locker room app and jump into those conversations. When we go live, you'll send an invite out to you actually. So you'll be able to get those, um, you know, and you'll know when we go live, it's the times do kind of vary, but we always have one on Tuesday because the locker room is also the proud sponsors of box briefing, my weekly column. So pumped to be partnered with them and good conversations happening there. And here as well, Scott, as we move through this mock draft a little bit, I mean, I do think you did a good job of balancing out kind of the offense and defense, but then you go back to tackle in round five. Again, they need like a third option yeah. at offensive tackle. didn't really work out with Joe Haig. Uh,
1: right. I think he's
0: free agent, isn't he? I think it was just a one-year deal, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was a one-year yeah, deal. So Right, and, and, and he's the, gone. The thing, with, the thing with, with Deontay Smith from East Carolina is this is a guy that played at 275 pounds left tackle. Okay, really interesting. It. Really he's interesting He's very lean, but he kind of reminds me of a shorter DeMar Dotson. DeMar Dotson was barely over 300 pounds. When he showed up to Tampa, he was a basketball player. He came in in the camp at 265, not just 265, John, he was six, nine. So imagine how lean and skinny DeMar Dotson was. And he added weight. And, and as, as word has it right now, um, I believe he was a 291 for the senior bowl. Okay. And And Deontay Smith didn't, he played in one game last year. It was the UCF season opener. And then that's it. Yeah. He, sorry, John. You already, <laughs> you already removed from the beauties.
0: Removed from the beauties. You hate to see it.
1: Yeah, you hate to see it. But the thing <laughs> with with Deontay Smith is he he really dominated in practice. He mm-hmm. he the footwork, he's a technician, he's got very long arms, he's he's got everything you want except for for the girth right now. And I think that's mm. coming. I think he'll end up being around 300, 305 pounds in the NFL, but he's a project. This guy cannot play at that weight right now. Mm-hmm. And so he's a perfect mix. Now, the problem is, is he has the footwork. He has the traits yeah. and I don't think he's going to last. I mean, I'm starting to hear a lot of buzz about him right now. Yeah. He's <laughs> not be there in the fifth round.
0: I was, was going to say that actually, it's funny you mentioned yeah. that. I, I wondered you know, we only saw him a little bit at the senior bowl, and I don't I haven't seen any of his tapes, so yeah. maybe he's terrible on tape, but that even probably wouldn't preclude him. I mean, just because he's long and athletic and he like looks apart. Right. I mean, we how many years we've seen these guys go high every single year. I mean, well, I think about back the to like, – Alabama
1: state kid to, to Houston. What was his name? Which kid? The Alabama State kid. The oh, one.
0: yeah. Um couple uh, years. Uh ago. the first
1: round, Titus yeah. Howard. Titus Howard, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then there was, no I remember
1: being a first round pick, no, no blew up at the senior bowl. He, he showed up well against Montez sweat. Yeah. And, and so. even if
0: you don't look that good at the senior, bowl, Brandon Parker, you know, he was the yeah. first pick in the third round by the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Parker's own family did not think he was going until late on day three. I know I talked to him before they just yeah. didn't, they couldn't believe it. And so yeah. You know, it's just like those kind of guys. I mean, Raven Clark. You know, the yes. horrible tape and, it was and horrible. Yeah, he was just bad. I mean, I had a seventh round grade on him. He
1: went what Texas Tech lineman,
0: right? Yeah, don't, don't do be. it. Yeah, we saw that with Terrence Steele last year in Dallas right. too. And but it is, you know, it is one of those things where guys like that always end up going higher. I think that's going to probably happen with Devonte Smith uh, we'll, or Dante Smith. We'll see how that progresses. I got to get a look at his tape too. I haven't really yeah. seen it, but would be an interesting, very interesting pick for the Bucs at that point in time. The right. next pick was the round seven pick, Scott, and that was a little bit of my influence on this pick. I was yeah. kind of pounding the table a little bit for Trevon Grimes from Florida. Now I know Grimes. I think there's a chance, even though his production is really limited, and right now most of the te- most of the boards I see out there have him more in this round five to seven range. You know, seven was it might be a little bit late for him here. Maybe he ends up being the round five guy eventually. Uh, we'll see. It's early in the process. We want to see how things play out, and he hasn't been super productive. But he ran a 4'4 coming out of high school, <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's 6'4", 205 pounds. He looks great on the hoof. Uh, he makes a ton of tough comb- combative catches. I don't know that he's a great separator or a route runner or technician right now, yeah. but he's got lots of tools, lots of traits. He is very much the Bucks prototype in terms of size, speed being the, the priorities that they look at, got the, that ability to win contested catches. Not a lot of production. But yeah. when he went up and got the ball this past season, it was pretty fun to watch. He was the forgotten guy with Kadarius, Tony, and Kyle Pitts there. But yeah, he really he, was, he made a lot of
1: plays. He was that third fiddle in, in that Kaltrask mm-hmm. Florida offense and had his most productive season this year, 38 catches, 589 yards with yeah. the 15.5-yard average, nine touchdowns. Right. But that just shows you how much he was the third fiddle. Now, he did have I, – I think he mossed Patrick Surtain. In mm-hmm. the Alabama game, and, what went, up and got a, went up and got a, a pass. And, and 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 the thing is, is is you mentioned the traits, and you look day three, the Buccaneers. Jason Light cannot help himself drafting wide receivers, right? Whether it's Justin Watson, um, they love it.
0: They'll draft yeah. one this year, I guarantee.
1: Sure, uh, Scotty Miller was a day three, you know, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there Johnson. Yeah, Tyler Johnson, exactly. So wasn't Kenny I, I, Bell was Kenny Bell Jason Light pick? Kenny Bell was, was a day three draft pick. Um and and you can even go back to Robert Heron in, in Jason Light's first draft back in 2014. He drafted Mike Evans with the first pick and the seventh mm. round pick, uh, Wyoming wide receiver Robert Heron. Uh, so
0: I remember Robert. Yeah.
1: He loves it's, it's those, those wide receivers on day three. Now, now it seems like the Buccaneers have a glut of wide receivers, especially just drafting. Those two guys, as we mentioned, Tyler Johnson last year, Scotty Miller the year before. I think Justin Watson is in a very precarious position, and I don't think Antonio oh, yeah. Brown is an automatic slam dunk that he's coming back. So,
0: and if Godwin comes back, it's probably on the tag. And if he has a great year, he might be the yeah. highest-priced receiver in the league after the season. So you have to prepare to not be able to pay him what he wants. And uh, and at that point in time, you know, you're probably looking at possibility of somebody else stepping into to that role if tyler johnson isn't ready or you know you have tyler johnson scotty miller mike evans but you'd want somebody else you know hopefully uh proven so I, I think wide receivers on the board for the bucks kind of across the board even though they have plenty of guys for 2021 beyond that it's a position they always want to be ready at that's why right. they drafted tyler johnson you always yep. want to be ready that's at that
1: why position. they signed antonio brown because they had a chance to make the playoffs mm-hmm. in Jameis winston's last year bruce aaron's first season 2019 and scotty miller chris godwin and Mike Evans were all on injured reserve after the Lions game. So uh, th- th- that's a position this team was scarred by. They never want to be in. That's why they drafted Tyler Johnson this year. That's why they signed Antonio Brown. So keep that in mind. Again, it's, it's not just about 2021. It's looking towards the future. And that's why we're talking about running backs and wide receivers, even though it doesn't seem like a pressing need. John Jack Barrett says, thoughts on the lack of production of these smaller, faster receivers rugs Regor in recent years compared to the larger prototypes metcalf johnson aj brown
0: uh i'd have to really sit and look i mean those are good examples obviously but then it's also you know it's a small sample size and when you say recent years those are just a couple guys um i have to really sit and look i mean i know terry mclaurin's not the biggest receiver and he's lighting it up too so i think a lot of it does depend on just on your skill set, big or small, there are certain ways to win in the NFL. And, uh, you know, some of those guys didn't have, him. you know, Rager, I thought he was overrated the whole time. You know, I think he's still has upside and I, th- I'm not writing him off by any stretch of the imagination, but to me, the height there wasn't, wasn't really warranted I where he was e- ended up being taken. And then Henry Ruggs, I'd like to see them use him a little more and a little better, sure. I think.
1: And uh, he had to to get more start
0: yeah. And he was, yeah. And he wasn't healthy too. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to consider there, but, I uh, really want to wrap this up as we wrap yep. up the show with TCU linebacker Garrett Wallow. This is a, this guy looks like he was created to play on special teams. Just yeah. a physical tough yep. – I think he's undersized, right? Isn't he? He's he's little, he's about,
1: well, he's about 6'2". They list him at 230, but I bet you he's probably yeah, around he the 220 mark. But mm-hmm. he played safety at TCU. He kind of went back and forth between safety and linebacker. Um, so he does have the ability to drop in coverage. It, he wasn't a uh, a, a huge – Uh, guy in pass defense, but I think he's good enough. He had an interception in 2019. He's had four pass breakups dropping into coverage, but what I like about him and where he's a really good fit, aside from being a tackle machine, he had 125 tackles, 18 tackles for loss in 2019. Last year, 90 tackles, nine tackles for loss, but John, this guy can get after the quarterback, and as Mm -hmm. we all know, Todd Bowles likes to blitz linebacker. He had two sacks last year, three and a half the season before, three before that, Add them all up. You're looking at eight-and-a-half career sacks for the linebacker position. And this guy is just a hard-hitting ball of energy. Uh, like you said, would be an ideal special teamer, kind of the kamikaze running down there on mm-hmm. kicks and punts. And and I think that's where his bread would be buttered. But uh, Jack Sitchy is just Mr. Glass. I like Jack personally, but the guy cannot stay healthy. Yeah, and when you look at Kevin Minter, is Minter going to be back at age 30? um on a one-year deal they had to sign day on Buchanan mm-hmm. Russell didn't work out so right now I mean Levante David technically is going to be a free agent I think he returns you've got right. uh, Devin white in there but you're going to need some more depth at the inside linebacker position right yeah for
0: sure so it'll be interesting to see how that position gets addressed all because you've got Kevin Minner, like you said Levante David and then you've got very little you know youth that, that they're excited about at the position yeah. certainly they could stay healthy and so right uh there there are a, a lot of things to to still figure out there jack barrett wants to know what assumptions were made making this draft we did mention at the beginning of the podcast we are talking about a situation in this mock draft and in probably all mock drafts until we know something otherwise yeah. that jack barrett levante david chris godwin and dominican sue and rob gronkowski are back don't really know about antonio brown yet don't know if it would change draft strategy too I don't see Jason
1: drafting a kicker that's right
0: so we're assuming those guys are back, and then not sure about Antonio Brown, and, and thinking Leonard Fournette won't be back. Um, yeah. so that's kind of the thought process uh, behind it. I just think somebody's going to throw some money at Leonard Fournette that the Bucs won't want to wa- match, and definitely right. won't want to match in a year like this, where there's lots uh, of other considerations yeah. to be made with the cap. Remember Carlton Davis next year? You if that's you right. really think he's a top ten corner in the league, you know you want to pay a guy like that. That position is really valuable. I mean, I, I ventured so far to say I think Scott went out. You were asking me who I thought was the most valuable defensive player. I love Luante David and Jack Barrett yeah. and I think Devin White had moments, but what a number one corner can give you and his ability to match up and make life easier for other guys, that really went overlooked for a lot of games this year, and it got overshadowed because Tyreek Hill lit up, John Davis obviously, but the rest of the season, I mean, they didn't have that guy, uh, you know, with the way Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean were, if you're just talking about pure value, I just think he's a really important player. So again, you have to consider yeah. all of those things when you're thinking about who to
1: re-sign. John, when I looked at your NFC South draft, right, and, and the great thing is in your first mock draft, which blew up on pewterreport.com yesterday, you have picks for all, all of the, the first rounds. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, having the tunnel vision on the Buccaneers that I do, I looked at the NFC South. So we're going to really talk about these guys. Obviously, you've got Trevor Lawrence going first overall. Um and and who's your second overall pick? You've got Zach him.
0: Wilson going second, the BYU kid,
1: who I watched today, by the way, and who buddy, he is good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So and, and really what that does is that starts an early run on quarterbacks here because mm-hmm. you have a trade. You've yeah, got trade. You've got the Carolina Panthers, right? Who, yep. who are trying desperately to upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater right now has got to probably be wanting out of Carolina, not feeling any love from all the rumors and reports out of Carolina saying, you're not good enough, Teddy. We want somebody else. But uh, mm. you give them Justin Fields. So that, that's a big trade um, to to move up there. And and what do you think that, that the Panthers have to give up to trade up yeah. the three spots?
0: Uh, my guess would be that they'd have to i'd have to look at the points uh but i would guess they'd have to give up something like uh i mean that's a pretty decent jump uh they'd have to give up a couple picks probably i don't even know how many picks that they have i mean i they know they can do it uh but they'd have to give them a couple picks probably to to move up there from eight to three it's a pretty decent jump i mean fields is really good player it may not even get to the point they need fields i mean they're going to be pretty aggressive with Deshaun watson i think and I mean, they already put in an offer, Matt Stafford. Like they're they're really trying to upgrade that position, and so. Yeah, and,
1: and, and the interesting thing is, Miami's sitting at number three, right? They just yeah. drafted the quarterback, right? And, and to attack Tagovailoa. So, uh, you know, you got to think they're they're going to be looking to field offers. And what I liked about your scenario here is you have, you've got the the Panthers leapfrogging the mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons at number four, right? right? To get Justin. Right.
0: Yes. Oh, Dragonlo. By the way, yes. To get the locker room app, you just uh, down go to the app store, download the locker room app, and search for Pewter Report. I see you asking that question there. Uh, and once you follow Pewter Report, you'll be good to go. Yeah, it is interesting, Scott, because I don't know what Atlanta is thinking. I just can't. I mean, they're in the top five. How many years is that going to happen in Atlanta? The last time it happened, they took Matt Ryan at number three overall. I just don't think it's a situation they plan to be in very often. It, you know, and it. I don't, the roster is good. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, they have enough players where they're going to be competitive again next year, probably, especially given how they played over the second half. I think they just needed a change, you know, and they need coaching change. They needed, I think that they're going to be a better team next year, a more competitive team. How often are you going to pick that high and you're eventually going to want to have a replacement for Matt Ryan? I think you could trade down, but it really is the, it's a good quarterback class. Trey Lance is very talented. I mean, as a runner, as a passer, he might need a little bit of time, and it might need to iron out the kinks. But guess what? you got Matt Ryan next year. It's yeah. kind of like the perfect situation for him, I think, to step into. And if you're Atlanta, I think you have to take that chance. It's such an important position. If you could go from Matt Ryan to another guy, and right. you're in the top five right now, you don't have to trade anything else to get there. I think you have to take that chance. This is a good quarterback class. I would take advantage of it.
1: Do we know – that Trey Lance would be a good fit in Arthur Smith's offense. Is he is he a better fit, I should say, than than Matt Ryan, like the, the long term?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think Matt Ryan's a great fit. I just don't know how much you again cap it and things like that, and how yeah. you know how they're going to view things with it. Maybe they do think it. Just doesn't sound like they think. I think they're excited to work with him right now, but it really right. sounds like they're trying to keep options open. And he is getting older, and I mean, I, I don't think he's quite the same player. I don't know if he's fallen off dramatically, but they also know it's going to come to a point where once his contract is tradable, there probably is going to be a market for him, you know? So yeah. if you could get him and then assets and then you get a quarterback and a young contract that's playing well too, you know, I, I don't see any reason why Lance wouldn't be a fit uh, in Arthur Smith's offense. Um, you know, the one thing that Arthur Smith will probably have to add in is Lance's legs. I mean, he can legitimately okay. run the ball for you. And so sure. I would imagine there'll be some tweaks to, to be able to do that right. too. Um, again, you know, we're getting, Part and out and, of the rabbit trail there but yeah, yeah
1: and at, at the cost- same time ryan Tannehill was not uh it, 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 he didn't have cement boots on in the pocket he could get outside the pocket and do some things he right. wasn't he wasn't the scrambler he wasn't the guy doing design quarterback runs necessarily but certainly had some mobility more than matt ryan so I, I i do see
0: yeah
1: some slight parallels there uh between what Tannehill can do and what what trey lance you know can project to yeah
0: the, it's a really uh, rare quarterback class Scott. in that all four top guys are really good athletes all four of them can make plays out of structure all four yeah. of them have really good arms and, and have shown that
1: through the nfl right yeah. they it's really like, are all four of them really Salon you know, yeah yeah yep. it's,
0: it's even joe burrow last year as much as i love right. joe burrow and i thought he's a great prospect you know there wasn't this elite arm that was probably his right. only negative you know really i think it was a good enough arm and i'm fine with it i'm not knocking him i just think this year's class is really four guys that just fit the prototype. Now there's kinks that need to be ironed out with all of them, but all of them are really talented. They put some good yeah. tape out
1: there for sure. So the, the, the problem if you're the New Orleans Saints is is you made the playoffs, you're NFC South champions, you get the t shirts, but <laughs> Yeah, the cap
0: situation's bad, and the secondary is where they're gonna lose people. You know, PJ Williams and Marcus Williams are both free agents. Marcus Williams is gonna command top dollar. I don't think they can bring him back. My guess is P.J. Williams will get re-signed cheaper and they'll you know mess with his contract or whatever. They'll make him the free safety. Malcolm Jenkins is still around. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is still around as the, in the, as the slot guy. Sante Samuel, I know he's a smaller guy, but he played outside of Florida State, pressed, uh, good, t- good tackling tackle than his dad was. Um, I, I really think there is a lot of talent with him. He can mirror a match, a lot of man coverage. The Saints play a lot of man coverage. They need somebody opposite. You know, George Jenkins is older. Uh, he is Patrick Robinson's older. Neither of those guys are the long term answers. Both of those guys could be cut uh, to save money. He Probably will be. Um, and so they need somebody opposite Marshawn Lattimore for cheap. Uh, this defense thrives with a lot of DBs. Uh, they they prioritize the position. They need corners to to survive. They probably yeah. can't afford to sign anybody expensive. So drafts yeah. on, and, and I think same
1: with Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and you know that whoever is under center in Carolina, they're going to throw the ball. I mean that's yep. it's just what. what and you got to be
0: able to defend the pass with the right. they're going to be going through quarterback changes, whatever they look like. You yep. got to be able to defend the pass during that time. Yep.
1: All right, so we, we we circle back to where we started, John, uh, running back for the Buccaneers, mm-hmm. uh, Alabama running back Najee Harris. Uh, if you were late to the podcast, well, the good news is you can rewatch it on YouTube. But here's the the quick synopsis: We had Javante Williams, North Carolina running back at number thirty-two for the Buccaneers in the. To report seven-round Bucks mock draft only because I'm not so sure that Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson, will be there. But by God, if Najee Harris is there, I think it's a hell of a pick because uh, of, of, of what this guy's skill set is, John. And then um, you want your first-round pick to see the field. And, and mm-hmm. this Bruce Arians offense puts a premium on pass catching uh, between the tackles' running backs – and and also splitting the carries between two backs. I think in, in your final uh, season, including the postseason, uh, snap counts, John, it was just about 50-50 between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, wasn't it?
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, uh, again – I just don't know. I think it's clear that they were not crazy about Leonard, but he proved himself more down the stretch. And it's clear, very clear that they're not crazy about Ronald Jones because of the lack of contributions in the passing game. You listen to anything Arians and Light have said, you know, we think they can teach you can teach him pass protection because they all need to be taught it, but you have to be able to catch the ball. You know, what did you look like in that capacity? They tried with Antonio Gibson, they had targets with CEH. They liked Eric Clyde Edwards alaire They thought Kishon Keyshawn Vaughn could be that guy. Um, you know, they yeah. thought Leonard Fournette with his 74 catches would come over and be that guy, and I just don't think any of them have wowed. I mean, clearly, the way they went back and forth all season, they just aren't settled on anybody. And, man, Najee Harris, I mean, 70 catches over the last two seasons, 729 yards over the last two seasons, 11 receiving touchdowns to go, by the way, with his 39 rushing touchdowns over the past two years. He's just been crazy productive and – And we aren't talking about screens either. You know, 43 catches this past season. I mean, he's averaging almost 10 yards a catch, 11 yards a catch the year before. Breaks tackles, plays in the best conference in football. High character guy that they will love off the field. Great with the media. Funny players love him in the locker room.
1: He's a winner. He's He's a a winner.
0: He's super tough. Um, He's you know be what, a fan favorite for sure.
1: Splitting <laughs> carries at Alabama because it's the same kind yeah. of thing there. Same with North Carolina with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, and 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 that's an important thing to to come in and know your role and and then do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. Um, you, you know what else is speaking best of best of the ability? Okay, I'm going to tell you <laughs> something right now. Um, I can't say enough good things about Manscape. I am. I'm, I'm not reading. The, <laughs> I'm not reading the script yet. I'm just. Just talking to you, uh, on its face to face here. I it's did, a good product. <laughs> I did not think that I would would want or need um, th- this lawnmower 3.0. All mm-hmm. right, I, I did not. I did not see myself being a Manscaped customer. And I'm going to be honest with you. They sent me this for free. I didn't buy it. But you know what? I would buy it. I would absolutely buy this. And, and matter of fact, I bought some um, some some gifts. Uh, and, and, and I, I think that's been a hit so far from the feedback that I've heard uh, because every guy should have this. And right now we're in the thick of winter. We've seen the, the polar vortex hit the Midwest. Gosh, you know, you, you talk about one to three inches of snow in some areas. Well, sometimes there's one to three inches of hibernation bush taking place between your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in. In products to make sure you're walking around town with two beautiful snowballs. Now, Manscaped is here to provide the best tools for your grooming experience. They're offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, as I've said, the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade, the advanced skin safe technology, your snags on your snowballs are going to be reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof. So you can you can do the work in the shower if you want, or the jacuzzi if you're a savage. Now, the Manscaped Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The performance package comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, which which I'm a big fan of myself, and I know Mark Cook is. He's got the ear hair. I'm not there yet. I just have the nose hair. in, in fact, 79% of the partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff, right? I know Mrs. Reynolds, sometimes she's like, hey, they gave you a free weed whacker, like go to work on, on your nose up there and get rid of that. So uh, that's legit. In addition to all those goodies, you get the performance boxer briefs, which John, they're the most comfortable pair of boxers I've ever had. They're great. And they're you great. get this travel bag, which they call the woodshed, which is really cool. So you might as well get the best tools to do the job. Now this bundle also comes with the crop preserver Which is the ball deodorant and the crop reviver, and uh, I'm also going to give a shout out to for for this right here, which is the refined cologne. It's it's a very great, Mm. wonderful scent. So good stuff. I didn't think Manscaped had all these products. I thought it was just just the uh, the lawnmower 3.0, but no, it's it's the full kit and caboodle. Now the best part about this is is you don't need cold feet this winter. You you can get this stuff, and you can save 20% off and get free shipping by using the promo code pewter at manscaped.com. That's pewter when you go to manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. They've got tons of amazing men's hygiene products available on their their website, as well as disposable mats uh, for your pubes to foot deodorant. So they've got everything to keep you fresh and clean. In the dead of winter in 2021. So do your shopping at Manscaped. And, and you know what? We'll, we still have a couple more of these left. We've been getting a great response. So if you want a PeterReport.com oh, yeah. t-shirt, go ahead and we'll send you uh, one. Just email me at SRPeterReport.com uh, your receipt from Manscaped. The good news, there's no information about your finances or your credit card information on there. That there, There's not on there. Just uh, I just need your name and your address, really. That's why we, we want you to send that proof of purchase. Right. And then just send what color you want—black, gray, or white—and the size, mm-hmm. and we'll ship a pewterreport.com T-shirt off to you to kick off the 2021 off season.
0: Yep, great stuff. We got lots more to talk about in this off season in the coming podcast tomorrow on the show. Stephen Shea is is rumored yeah, Stephen Shea He'll be joining Thank the show. You. Yeah, he's joining the show tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live. We're going to talk about his recent comments about how the Bucks deserve respect for the top franchises in the league this guy is going after people who have doubted the box he thinks yep. two super bowls put him in that conversation so we're going to talk to him about yes. that and uh, get his thoughts on that as well as the Bucks' season obviously winning the super bowl being a box fan through the lean years and all of that uh, we're going to talk with him it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow on the show so until then thanks so
1: much for listening to another edition of the Peter report podcast out out